0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this evening, I um, thought to take a question. There was a question that was submitted to the... um, this is the form that I offer to submit questions to. And the question was about some of the supports for our ethical conduct, supports for our um, navigation of our moral life. In the, in the Buddhist, um, in the Pali, these two terms are called hiri and otapa, And they're, they're kind of, they're, what I would call actually, I'd call them kind of our moral compass. They're these, maybe we could call them almost warning signs, you know, a compass is kind of like, you know, it's directing you, it's taking you to a good direction. And the, um, these two qualities of hiri and otapa, which I'll translate for you in a moment, but I'm holding off intentionally right now. Um. These two qualities are kind of like our guardrails. They help us. They're 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 feeling qualities that help us know when we're about to do something that will cause harm. So they're they're kind of like, um, uh, and and it's interesting because they don't they don't feel so good. You know, they're kind of these warning bells. They go off and they say, hey, you know, that's. That's going to that's gonna cause somebody harm or that's going to cause you harm. So they, they, there are these kind of warning signs that go off. And so they, they have a kind of a, of a, of a query quality to them, a quality of, oh, something's off. Something feels off here. It doesn't feel good. Something doesn't feel good about what I'm thinking about doing or getting ready to do or have done. I think even it, they even tell us after we've done some things, after we've done things, that, that this was not a, a good thing to do. So the Buddha called these qualities of hiri and otapa, he called them the guardians of the world because they are so fundamental to our ethical life, our moral life, our taking care of each other, of not harming each other. They're kind of the foundation of of our our ethical behavior, these qualities. And they're described as protections, that they protect us from from causing harm. So the translation, the typical translations for hiri and otapa um, are, um, I I don't resonate so much with the typical translation for these terms. The, the the typical translation for hiri is something like moral shame. And the typical translation for otapa is something like moral dread or fear of doing something wrong. Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, um, a Pali um, scholar and monastic and practitioner who's translated a lot of the suttas for us, He says that um, hiri is an innate sense of shame over moral transgression. That's how he defines it, an innate sense of shame over moral transgression. And that he talks about otapa as being the fear that comes when you reflect on the results of what would happen if you did something wrong. So it's kind of, it's reflecting on that. So these two translations shame and fear for these two you know in english those those words um you know they they bump up against um something that sounds very aversive you know th- those words tend to you know sound like guilt or you know shame sounds a lot like guilt um fear sounds a lot like you know the the aversive reactivity to things and and yet, since these are wholesome qualities, the Buddha praises these qualities. He says these are worth cultivating and that they are the guardians of the world. So they're not imbued with aversion. They're not imbued with, with greed or delusion or aversion. So, um, um, and, and what, partly what I want to explore today a little bit is what these might feel like. I'll give a different translation, one that has been a little easier for me to connect with. Tanasaro Bhikkhu uses a translation for hiri, um, for what Bhikkhu Bodhi calls moral shame or shame. Uh, Tanasaro Bhikkhu uses conscience. And that that resonates for me in that, you know, if, if I think about... Um, one way I think about hiri is... Um, if I think about things that have happened to me in the past, um, where I may have done something wrong, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a quality or sense of, um, oh, that doesn't feel good to have done something wrong. You know, it, there's, it, it, it feels off to have done something wrong. And it's very close to the quality of shame when we've done something off. So the, the quality of hiri for me feels very similar to shame, but doesn't have the, um, the feeling of I'm bad or I'm wrong. It's, it's more the action was not helpful. <laughs> you know, so it's got that quality. And, and to me, the, the quality of conscience speaks to that. It's like my conscience has been tickled. My conscience is saying, yeah, that wasn't so good. So that's a, that's a translation for um, for Hiri that maybe is a little easier for us to resonate with. Conscience. And then for Otapa, the um, fear of wrongdoing. Um, Tanisaru Biku uses the translation concern. You know, concern about the effects of our action. You know, how we naturally can be concerned about what how our actions might affect others. So conscience and concern are, are, are kind of alternate ways to think about these ethical guardrails in a way. The 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 teachings point to, in a way, the teachings point to um, the um, hiri uh, as being um, a sense that it it either was wrong or is is not helpful, you know, not skillful to engage in unwholesome actions. Um, just just ethically, kind of innately, intrinsically, the feeling of that offness or wrongness to 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 cause harm. And then the um, the otapa is. Um, the sense of the the results, the results of what might happen, you know, it's kind of the the concern for the results of what might happen given that action. So they're just slightly different flavors of these guardrails. Bhikkhu Bodhi points to these being kind of innate qualities. Um, he says that the Kiri is an innate sense of shame over doing something um, ethically uh, unhelpful, unwholesome. And I can see, you know, that it might be, there can be a way that we would naturally have an ethical um, kind of warning system in a way because we are naturally empathetic. Our systems are nat- they naturally kind of mirror um, each other. And when um, somebody experiences something, we can kind of feel it in our, in our, um, in our system. And so this natural empathy that's, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a part of our human system that gets a little bit papered over, that gets a little bit obscured by delusion that gets obscured by greed and aversion. But it is there, I think, this this natural empathetic quality um, with our fellow human beings, with our fellow living creatures. And when we have access to that, when we are in touch with each other in this way with empathy, if we think about causing harm, we feel it doesn't feel good to think about it. And that's because of that empathetic response. And so I think of Hiri and Otapa as connected to the empathetic resonance of the heart with our fellow human beings. Very akin in a way to the Brahmaviharas, to the qualities of metta, of compassion, of sympathetic joy, where when um, we see somebody suffering, our heart kind of resonates when, when our heart is not constricted with greed or aversion. When we see somebody suffering, our heart will naturally feel a kind of a wish to alleviate that suffering. There's an empathetic resonance there. When we see somebody um, experiencing joy and delight and our heart is not constricted, we have an empathetic resonance with that joy and delight. That's the quality of mudita, of sympathetic joy and i think of hiri and otapa as being the empathetic resonance when harm is being contemplated or happening that 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 sense of um when we can contemplate doing something that might cause harm that empathetic resonance gives us that warning it's like yeah don't do that that's not helpful So that sense of potentially um, here and Otapa being um, innate in a way, kind of based on that empathetic resonance. I can see that, I can see that, but the the um, uh, the suttas also give an analogy for each of these that I find really interesting and interesting to unpack. I like unpacking the Buddha's analogies. They They give a little bit of like depth to the teachings. So um, he compares the quality of hiri, this conscience or, you know, the sense of um, um, we could call it skillful remorse. Also, we could call it something like skillful remorse. He compares that to the moat around a castle. That it protects the castle from invaders by, you know, creating this wide and deep, um thing that surrounds the whole castle something wide and deep that's you know filled with water so that it's hard to cross so the the moat is um a simile for for hiri and the simile for otapa is a patrol path at the top of the castle you know that at the top of the castle there's a, a a um a ledge where people can walk around and keep their eye out on the surrounding countryside and see if if dangerous things are coming. And so that's the simile for Otapa. So in um, the simile for Hiri, that, unpacking that simile a little bit, thinking about it, I think, you know, I... A moat is not something innate with a castle. You know, you really have to work to create that moat. You know, it's like you have to dig. It's a wide and deep moat. You have to do a lot of work to make that moat be there to create that protection. And so to me, that speaks of some work potentially that um, we need to explore around Hiri. And for me, the way this has happened and the way uh, it feels resonant to this moat Is to reflect back on things that I have done that were unskillful and feel the sense of the offness of that. Recognize the offness of that. I had an experience um, a number of years ago where um, I uh, was, you know, I was needing, wanting to get something done and somebody had asked me to do something and i thought oh this will be easy i just need to send out an email and i sent out the email and i was doing i was it was i was a little bit time pressured and i did it a little bit quickly and um um you know i but i i did not you know did not like think there was anything wrong with what i did at all but you know i just i sent this email out and sending that email out had ripple effects that were so massively painful and um, difficult. It was kind of like, I felt like by sending that email, I had dropped a match into a pool of gasoline. And I did not know that that pool of gasoline was there. And so there was a tremendous amount of regret, a lot of sense of, wow, I you know, and I, I learned a little bit later by, you know, talking to a few more people that, if I had taken some time to check in with a few people before sending the email, I would have found out the pool of gasoline was there, <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, doing it a little quickly, doing it a little quickly, I, um, I, you know, missed the opportunity to avoid ca- causing that harm. And so, um, you know, a lot of harm, a lot of harm was caused by that that email. It was very painful. And I spent a lot of time feeling into the feelings around it. And at times it did feel very like shame. There was that feeling of that, oh, I did this thing, I'm to blame. I'm like, I'm a bad person. And so there was a very, very, you know, that sense of shame did come up. And so I was observing the sense of shame, noticing it, Paying attention to it, and then at times the sense of it's about me fell away. It's it was like oh these are the conditions. This is what happened. This was a kind of a a, a, this, a series of cause and effect tumblings on, and my actions, these actions from this being participated in the tumblings on. But you know it wasn't it wasn't um, it's not it wasn't personal in a way. And so that, uh, that sense of shame, it, it was interesting, the sense of shame, it wasn't like it went away and it was like, it was like, oh yeah, everything's good now. There was more the sense of, oh, it really hurts to have done something that created that much harm. Like, so there was the pain, that empathetic resonance, that's what the feeling shifted to as the sense of, of identity around the shame fell away. And so it became much more of a skillful kind of regret. And I spent some time talking to a whole bunch of people about the situation and what I could learn from it. And so I, I learned a lot from that, from that situation. So that is a kind of a way to explore Hiri, I think. And, and for me, the, the exploration of those near, what we might call the near enemy to Hiri, we could call our guilt, the near enemy to hearing. Hear so exploring those near enemies, we may, we may feel or recognize um, the piece of that quality that's all tied up with I, me, and mine, and, and I'm a bad person, and I'm to blame, and what part of it is really the empathetic resonance with, oh, harm has been caused here. So that's a little bit of reflection around here, and for me, the reflection around here has come through looking back at things that have happened. And so, to me, that's digging the moat. You know, it's like it's it's things have already happened, and exploring um, the the memories and the relationship to that. So the um, the mind can begin to understand the more wholesome side of that skillful quality of hiri, the the quality of that skillful regret, the conscience. The otapa, the analogy for otapa being like a, um, a patrol path, you know, in contrast to the moat, once it's dug, once the moat is dug, you know, it doesn't take any, any, um, Anybody to monitor the moat, right? I mean, the moat is there. It's acting. It's protecting just by its very existence, and that to me is kind of how the reflection on Heary feels. It's like you know, that's that those that that um, recollection of it really feels painful to cause harm. This experience, it feels painful to reflect back on. The harm that has been caused—it—it it hurts to have caused harm. That, like, is the moat. It's like I don't have to do anything. It's the—the the memory of that is—is is right there. It's right there. So it's kind of like the moat. The—the uh, the patrol path takes somebody actively monitoring the—the the patrol path takes somebody looking out over the landscape and seeing—is there danger coming? And so this is more to me about looking at choices that we're making it's like if i had you know not been in such a rush in that moment maybe otapa could have said hmm you're getting ready to send an email maybe it'd be good to check in with a few people first you know that that could have been um otapa at work you know looking out at at the at the landscape um so the, the, to me, Otapa is kind of um, thinking about or reflecting on things that we might do, kind of looking into the future as the patrol path, the person on the patrol path is looking out into the landscape, out into the world, things that we might do. And, um, and feeling what might happen if we took that action. So, we might recognize, "Oh, those would be the consequences if I took that action, and there there can be the sense of "Oh, yeah, those consequences I don't want that to happen so there's that that sense of concern for our fellow human beings, for ourselves to not take actions that will cause harm, so this does take a kind of a reflecting on. It, it it points to, in a way, what the Buddha instructed his young son to do. You know, reflect before, during, and after you have acted. Is this going to cause harm? Is this going to create affliction for yourself or other or both? And um, acting, you know, reflecting before you act, that to me is is um, nourishing the quality of otapa, of the of the concern for for ourselves and others to not cause harm, reflecting during and after acting to me is more cultivating and supporting the quality of hiri that um, that conscience that this did cause harm or this is causing harm. Let me stop, so that it's 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 looking at how are we in relationship to the world and are our actions. Causing harm, so that's the the nourishment of, Hiri and otaba, combined with that empathetic resonance, that empathetic connection, with our um, fellow human beings. So that's that's all, That's enough for me, I think, and we're almost out of time. But I'm curious if there's any any thoughts or contents. Thinking about um, that, this Otopa as a inequality of the heart. Um, it, it would need. It seems like it would need the conditions of someone. Um, and the words traumatized, being num- numb. If someone's numb because all these, I'm think, still thinking about conditions recently. The how hard it is and and that there may be some numbness happening, and so there isn't that access to those, those qualities right now. Maybe, And maybe it's, it's a precondition for that perhaps. We need to, I think so. I mean, as I said, you know, greed, aversion, and delusion will kind of block that capacity to that empathetic resonance. I think our capacity to resonate is, is natural. The, the, the capacity for empathetic resonance is natural but it's easy to block it. You know, numbness can do that, anger can do that, hatred can do that, greed can do that. You know, that, that when we're just thinking about ourselves, conceit, you know, when we're just thinking about what's good for me, that can block it. And so, yeah, I mean, it, that I think that that's a lot of what the, the practice is helping us to do is to connect again with that that resonance of the heart not just to connect with ourselves, but as we connect with ourselves, we also naturally begin to connect with others as we connect with ourselves in a deeper way rather than um, in a a familiar habitual way. So yeah, I think it it does. And and I think we can use that knowledge or recollection or or recognition. I'm not resonating right now. What is this that's here? You know, what is this? Oh, this is numbness. What does that feel like? And, or or this is an ache of of anger or frustration or fear. That's what's here too. And so th- that that's a little bit of a doorway if we can meet those feelings with mindfulness, with, um, you know, not with resistance and not with leaning into them. But, oh, this is what it feels like to be a human being that feels numb you know the quality of mindfulness can resonate with that which then gives a little bit of that capacity it it opens us a little bit of that to that capacity for resonating with what's here